Let's give him glory and honor. Father, we just glorify you, praise you, exalt you, worship you. You're so good. You're so good. We lift our voice. We lift our voice. We give you praise and honor and glory. You are worthy, 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 worthy. Are you to be praised? We celebrate your presence. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're so good. We celebrate your goodness. Who you are. The wonders of your person. Oh, we thank you. We glorify your holy name. We praise you. Come on, just say with me three times. Say Jesus. 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 Just the mention of that name. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Good morning. How are y'all? Everybody happy? 11 days to fall. Summer's about to fall. Oh, well, you know. Praise God. Uh, one, one more announcement. Uh, not this coming Sunday, but next Sunday. Uh, since we uh, moved the church to Jemison, we have not done a, uh, or, or, um, a how we used to do it anyway, a membership, but we've... Uh, We've had requests uh, for uh, this this season, this time, and probably, uh, I guess, what, two weeks we said? Two Sundays. Uh, John and, and Susan Hatton, and uh, and so we they've been here with us for a number of months. Sometimes when I say, John, I say, the other day, Michelle said four years ago. I said, oh, did that happen to anybody else like that? You thought it was six months ago, and it was two years and seven months? Time marches on real fast, doesn't it? So we're, uh, they want to be a part of the church, and in our mind they already are, but it's, there's, there's something more than, than just saying well, you're here and we're happy. So we want to declare some things over them. And so uh, if, if you're here and we haven't uh, uh, offered that to you, but you'd like to get in on that, um, we're not going to bring you up. I, uh, you've heard me say, I, I grew up in a church where they brought you before the people and they voted on it. I mean, on the spot, and uh, mainline denomination, and uh, um, and I watched some people get voted down. And I'll never forget that. And they said, "Well, they're, you know," and, and they tried to leave it somewhat encouraging. They said, "We know they got saved, but we know that they uh, have had some trouble in their past, and we just want to watch their life for a while." And uh, that couple never came back. And I said, "More power to you." We become a new creature in Christ Jesus, so we're going to watch you for a while. And, uh, you know, I guess you don't know what you don't know. But anyway, so uh, we want to uh, um, make a public declaration of that, and we'll talk about what that means. So we probably have a list uh, out on the table, something like if you, if you just know, um, not, not next Sunday, but two Sundays from now, uh, will uh, anyone who wants to join them, we're going to uh, acknowledge them or all of you who, who say we want to be a part of Grace Life Church and feel like this is where God's told us to, to be and be a part of. And so we are look forward to that. It's, it's more than just say, you know, I mean, we, we can say if you've been here a few times, but you know what? I've had dogs who tried to come for three or four eatings and make a home. I said, no, 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 no. This is to help you out <laughs> on your way. <laughs> and so uh, that's, that's not what that's about. That's part of being part of the family. Amen. Well, let me read you something. Y'all got time for this? Did you know, I heard about these folks that said there was uh, 
says there's three friends from a local congregation. They were asked, he said, when, when your time comes, it says when you're in the casket and your friends and congregation members are mourning over you, what would you like them to say? One guy already said, I'd like them to say I was a wonderful husband, fine spiritual leader and a great family man. Merle said, I'd like them to say I was a wonderful teacher and a servant of God and I made a huge difference in other people's lives. Don said, I'd like them to say, look, I think he's moving. <laughs> Don's a smart man, ain't he? <laughs> and here's just a small one. And I'll, just, I'll do this to myself. So the little preacher boy, a little preacher's boy inquired. He said, Daddy, I noticed every Sunday morning when you first come to preach, you sit up on the platform and bow your head. What are you doing up there, Daddy? The father explained. He said, well, son, I'm asking the Lord to give me a good sermon. His little boy said, Daddy, why, why doesn't he? <laughs> Always words to build him up. <laughs> Amen. Well, I got my Bible upside down. That won't work. That'll be, that'll be a different language. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Praise God. We are still preparing to win. Right? Isn't that the word of the Lord to us, to the church? Prepare to win. While you're turning there, I, I just want to interject this. And I believe it will speak to, speak to someone's life. And, and, and you don't have to turn there, but if you want to know where it is, just jot down and look at it later. Um, I read this, I found this a number of years ago. I just, uh, I've almost heard no one ever preach out of, this, out of this text over here. Never have for all these years. I don't know why it's so powerful, it's so strong. Uh, the word... But the Lord came to Jeremiah, and it's in the 23rd chapter, in the 28th and the 29th verse. And the 28th verse is, The prophet who has a dream, let him tell his dream. But he who has my word, let him speak his word faithfully. What has straw in communion with wheat for nourishment, says the Lord. Now listen to verse 29. And the Lord asked, speaking to Jeremiah the prophet, he said, is not my word like fire that consumes all that cannot endure the test? Says the Lord, and is not my word like a hammer that breaks in pieces the rock of the most stubborn resistance? Hey, like that. The word is like fire. The word is like a rock. And I mean, this is not one of those little Otonka hammers that you gave your kid, you know, when they was in the, uh, you know, preschool. Uh, I think we gave... Uh, our kids, one, they was always beating their thumbs with it and crying, so we had to take it away. So I knew they weren't going to be a carpenter. They were like me. They like, missed it and went the other way. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's what it is. So you got something trying to hang around that's stubborn? What's the answer? The Word. So it, the, the Word's just like a fire. It's like a hammer. No matter how stubborn, it's, it, the Word's going to break it into pieces. You know, he, he, Hebrews says that in, in chapter 11 that the Word of God God spoke the Word of God, and He framed this world. How did He do it? With His own words. Did you know that you're framing your life, you're framing your world by the words that you speak? Isaiah said, God said, my words that go my, come forth out of, my, out of my mouth, He said, they shall not return to me void or empty. In other words, He says, when I send a word out, it's going to accomplish what I sent it out to do. That's what your words are doing. You're made in the likeness and the image of God. 
you're created to function like Him. And if I always say it this way, if you're not functioning like Him, then you're malfunctioning. So we are building a frame, and you know it depends on how you build the frame and the shape of it. And when God begins to pour, if you frame it just right, you can get a whole lot. You know, you can pour concrete into a two by two, but you can also pour it into a 50 by 50 or whatever size that you choose. So how are you going to frame your world? Well, the word of the Lord is right now, prepare to win. And so uh, uh, I, I believe I could get on this today and work on this thing. You know, when, when, when Brother Copeland preaches something, he wears it out. I mean, if, if it's a horse, the horse drops down dead. You ever notice that when he ever gets a word from the Lord and gets direction? I mean, he milks the cow till there's no milk left. Amen. He can say more than God said sometimes. I was like, my gosh, he can stretch that thing out to where eventually we get it. But sometimes that's what it takes. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And then what? Hearing. And, you know, we said hearing and hearing, but that, that doesn't mean he was just saying just twice. People who, who study this kind of stuff say we, we have to hear some, sometimes things 25 times over and over and over and over again just to get it. Now, it didn't, work that way, it didn't work that way with us growing up. My mother didn't tell me 25 times to do nothing. Two was a stretch. Three times, well, there wasn't no DHR, because if there was, she'd still be in prison. No, I was kidding, I was kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But no, two times, I don't think she ever went over two times. And, um, you know, maybe her patience got, you know, thin raising the first two children. I don't know when she got, I was the third size kid. <laughs> you think that's what it was, Barbara? <laughs> Probably was, she said. Second Corinthians chapter 9, did you find it? Verse 8. God's able. That'll conclude our service for today. God is what? We, we, we've heard that how many times? Over and over and over and over. But I want you to hear it again. I don't want you to hear it with your head. I want you to hear it with your heart. God's able. And I've always said it this way. God's ability and his willingness are the same. Whatever God's able to do, he's willing to do. Hmm? Whatever God's able to do, whatever, what is God's ability? He's also willing to do. God's able to make all grace abound toward you, that you have an all-sufficiency in all things, that you may abound to every good work. So we're going to take some time. I don't care if it takes, uh, I think there's only, there's only 16 Sundays uh, left in this year. If you went to a conference to be trained for something on your job, they might send you there for two eight-hour days. That's really all we got is 16 hours. Then you're going to have Christmas and all that in there. We're not going to do that, are we? We're going to, you know, we're going to talk about something different. So what would be, what would be two hour a day to talk about what God's able to do and wanting to do in, in this year, in this year, in, in, in this year. And uh, we're coming into uh, this Tuesday will be eight weeks into an election. And you can get, uh, well, you could think about it if you wanted to and think, wow, uh, but, you know, God still has an agenda. And I won't be political. It's not my job to be political. But, however, uh, he has an agenda to do it. 
And God's not through with this nation. Uh, this nation still has destiny left in it. And I know when you watch the news and I know when you see the events that happen around the world, it can be disheartening and thinking, how's our nation got to such a place over the last several years? And so um, there's no administration on either side going to make this nation great. That's not, that's, that's not a scripture. And, uh, but we definitely always have room for improvement. And uh, no one without the help of God in office um, is going to be able to successfully uh, take this nation to where God wants us to go. It, you know, it, it, it's not set by it's not set by that. It's set by the people. It's set by it, it's. And I don't mean just in a democracy. I'm talking about when the righteous rule. Right. You see, the earth can rejoice, and the righteous is supposed to be bold as a lion. The Bible says when the wicked, the wicked flee with no man, no, 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 no woman, no, that's what a man and woman is together, one man, man. And so when no one perceives them, you know, they flee, but the righteous, they're bold as a lion. You think about, Michelle was talking about 9-11. Uh, how many of you remember where you were the day that you heard that? I, I know exactly where I was at. And, uh, and I turned on the television, and uh, it was uh, on a, actually it happened on a Sunday if you want to go back and look. And uh, I remember turning it on and the news came on. And uh, uh, I just thought about through the years how, how um, bold are people to think. I mean, can, can, can you look at the boldness of people who would actually fly a jet into a building for supposedly doing this for their God? And, and, I mean, can you imagine the boldness of people who do that? C can you imagine the mindset of, of someone who blows himself to smithereens and takes out tens or twenties or hundreds of people, all in the name of, of, of what they consider who to be God, and uh, how that is going to change their destiny? Well, it's going to change their destiny. There's no doubt about that. And then you look sometimes at the church and you wonder, where, where's the boldness? Huh? So sometimes when we are just silent, we lose by default. And the best way not to be silent is to vote. Amen. To exercise not only your, your, um, your privilege, but your responsibility to be a voice. Uh, I don't want to hear all that. It don't make a difference. Because if you're there, I mean, there's other nations that you can go, and that's the way it is there. You don't have to worry about it. And if you ever get to where you, all you have is bad things to say about this nation, then just go visit one of the others. And uh, I, I've been around a few people like that, and, and they're, they're always down in America. And America has more than its share of problems. But just travel abroad a little bit and, and, and see if you notice any difference between the United States of America and other nations with all of our problems. And if it's so bad here, then we might be willing to take up an offering and get you a one-way ticket there. Did you notice I said one way? Not y'all, but tastes go everywhere. <laughs> but, but, so uh, uh, thank God for the privilege that we have to live in these United States of America. And so it's not for us to look. It's, it's, it's for the church to take her place. And when the church comes together, and when the church comes and the church goes to their knees, 
and the church asks God, and the church repents for what we haven't done and should be doing and have, and have not been willing to, to take on, then we can, God has a place to work. God works through authority. The authority was given to Adam. And people say, well, if God didn't do it, he allowed it. That's wrong doctrine. I don't care how popular it is in, in your sovereignty, uh, you know, portfolio of sermons. God transferred the, he is sovereign, but he's sovereign within the confines of Genesis to the book of Maps. And so he, he confirms this word with signs following. But he transferred the authority. Jesus said, all power has been given unto you, but now I, but now I give it to you. Now, now you go do this. Whatever you bind shall be bound. Whatever you loose shall be loosed. Amen. Amen. Huh? So we are to be those who speak, as the, the psalmist said, our pen is that of a ready writer. We are the one who speak the oracles of God in authority. Not our opinion, but, but the word of God. So that when our word goes forth, it, you know, Jesus said, the words that I speak, they're spirit in life. And he sent his word one time to a man who was, at, at, at death's door, and uh, he said, he told the centurion, I'll come with you. And the centurion said, they don't need you to come with me. He said, all you need to do is speak the word. You just need to release the word from here, and he'll be fine over there. And Jesus said to someone who didn't even have a covenant at that time with him, he says, wow, this is the greatest authority I found anywhere. And he was not, <laughs> and he, was, he had no covenant there. But what he understood is something about faith. I mean, there's only two people that he, Jesus ever attributed to him great faith, the centurion, which was the military person, and then a homemaker, a housewife. Amen. Now, what do they have in common? Well, what, what does the housewife have in common with the Roman centurion? Nothing from the mindset of the military. Here's one thing you can just think about. I'm not preaching on it. Neither one were under the law. Neither one was under the confines of the law. And so Jesus told this man, he said, well, the centurion said, you know, I, I have a quantity of soldiers. And he says, if I tell this man to go do this, he does it. And he was talking about the one sick. And he said, and I've given him commands and he does it. He said, but your authority far exceeds my authority. He said, all you have to do is go speak the word like I speak the word. And whatever you send the, the word to do, even though we don't see people on earth carrying it out, we know that your words will be faithfully carried out. So just speak them out and it'll be like fire, be like a hammer. and It'll break that sickness off of him. And so Jesus said, great faith, go. It'll be just like you said. And got there and found out the man began to amend the moment Jesus spoke that word over him. Well, that's who you are. You are the church. I said you are the church. You are the representation of the Godhead. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Huh? We can do more than play basketball and, 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 and have nachos and have fun and have a singing, fifth Sunday singing, and, and, and try to kill the fire ants getting on the chicken on, on the fifth Sunday. That's... That, that's that's good to have fellowship, but that's not what we're here for. We are here not because the mindset sometimes is, as we said this other, uh, maybe even last Sunday, is that we've taken on, we've read the scriptures, but we've put ourselves as disciples of Christ, but we've taken on the mindset that we are, as the disciples were, and the disciples many times were confused. You understand the new covenant hadn't come into being, so uh, Jesus was constantly straightening them out. They said, well, we've got all these people to feed. How are we going to feed them? We ain't got with this and this. 
you know, and constantly Jesus would ask them to stretch them and say, well, how, how are you going to handle this? Well, I don't know. We can't pay the taxes, but we can't go through to pay. Jesus said, why don't you go fishing? See, Bill would have got that. He just took right on off. He said, that's where you get miracles is fishing. Ain't that right, Brother Bill? Yeah. So he just took off. So we, we, we've thought more like the disciples than we have like Jesus. But the scripture says, have the mind of Christ, not the mind of Peter. Amen. Thank God for Peter. But have the mind of who? Of Christ, the anointed one. Christ means the anointed one and his anointed. You're anointed to break bondages. As it is in heaven, so on earth. How is it in heaven today? You think anybody's in the line trying to get some food stamps? I mean, if, 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 if heaven's got a big food stamp line, uh, they, they oversold it. Right? If, if the mansions look like my house and need us in repairs, they oversold the thing. Right? <laughs> I mean, if they say, well, now you said gold, but well, now mostly gold. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the front entrance is, but on the back, you know, we got some potholes back there. No, wait a minute. I didn't read about no potholes. I know what potholes is. I live in Chunk County. Right? That's not what heaven looks like. Heaven's grand and heaven's glorious. So the time is short, so the church is just rising up for its final hour. The whole earth has been waiting, and the whole earth is groaning. What are they waiting for? The manifestations of the sons of God to come into this glory. Amen. See, the glory is in you. The old covenant is they, they followed the glory cloud. It was over them. And they knew where God was because they followed the cloud. That's old covenant. That's not new covenant. Now you have greater glory, and the greater glory is inside you. Amen. Hmm? I said the greater glory is inside you. We have surpassing glory. When, when, when uh, Moses came off the mountain in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, he'd been with God for 40 days and came down with the law, and he had so much glory just being in the presence of God that he put a, a veil over his face, you know, just so he wouldn't knock him out. I mean, the boy was bright. But the Bible says that, but it was consistently coming off of him. It was fading away. What is that indicative of? That's, that, that's of the covenant that he had, even though it had glory in it. We have a far greater glory than the new covenant. That's not under the law. We don't do away with the law. It's just been fulfilled. It's been fulfilled in one word, love. When I love is Christ's love, I don't need ten laws to tell me don't kill somebody and don't shoot somebody. I can just walk in love and live in love, right? I don't covet if, if, if I'm in love. So the law brought men to the end of themselves in the sense that they knew that they couldn't keep the law. They could not keep the law. And here's the good news. God's not mad. God is not angry. He is not mad. He's not angry. Sometimes we say, well, I'm fed up with y'all to hear. Well, if the Lord ever says that, we're in trouble. I've had y'all up to here. Oh, y'all ain't never raised no kids. I had, we had four of them. I've done that a few times. Then I was like, <laughs> y'all like, I don't know what you said. Oh, straighten up your hair, low. Go where to go. And then, and then you was that kid. <laughs> Some of us gave our mothers and dads a prayer life. Amen. But that's okay. It'll all turn out. It's all. Let's hear. It's all going to turn out amazing. It may look like the biggest mess. You don't see any way out of this, but I'm telling you, it's going to turn out amazing. No, you ain't listening to what I said. It looks like a pile of you know what, but I'm telling you, it's going to turn out if you just stay in faith about it and you get your words right and you frame your words right. I'm telling you, it's going to turn around absolutely amazing. 
then they'll be asking, how'd y'all do? So, well, we just, you know, we just kind of stayed in faith. I told him, like, yeah. Huh? No, he said he would supply the need. God's able. Say that with me. God is able. You've got to get that in your spirit. That, that you, you, and, and I know that we know that. The Bible said even the devils know that and they tremble. So let's be smarter than the devil, okay? God's able. Well, let's see what he's able to do. He's able to make all grace abound towards you. Now, if you think I can actually get a whole sermon out of that right there, watch here. Can I just, can I take it slow? We, we, we want to cook this steak a little bit slow. Is that all right? We're just going to let it saturate a little bit. We don't, we don't want it to get too hot too fast. We want the insides to get cooked right to where we want it, and it's going to be perfect. And if you're vegetarian, I'm sorry, uh, we're going to get your head of cabbage. I mean, it's going to be perfect. <laughs> Amen. The words grace and favor are many times interchangeable. I think you know that. A lot of times... When you say grace, you can say favor, unmerited favor. They're many times, not always, but they're many times interchangeable. So grace is expressed as unmerited favor. But grace is more than that. Grace is more than just the unmerited favor of God. The, the Greek word for grace is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. If you want to look that up, I always like to give you information. Uh, if you want to look it up, make sure that's right. It's the Greek word 5485. Don't ever just say it is because the preacher said it was. Study up to see if, you, if he just said it. Don't just swallow everything. Hook, line, sinker. And it, it needs to be the word. You know, we can take this verse and that verse and this verse and Old Covenant and New Covenant and all this and we can put it together and make a whole different story, right? Right? But let's just stay with the word. And stay with the context. And the context is who's God speaking to and who's, well, who's doing the speaking. Bible interpretation is who's doing the speaking and who's he's doing the speaking to. And what is it saying in that chapter and what is it saying in the context of the bigger view. Because the, the Bible only have Old Testament and New Testament, it only has one really central figure. And, they, and his name's Jesus. Amen. In the Old Testament, he was concealed. New Testament, he became revealed. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and when we get to heaven, you, you, you know we're going to have some a Bible time. Did y'all know that? Some word time. Did you know the Bible says heaven and earth is going to pass away, but this word is never going to pass away? I, I, I can't get a, I've always tried to get a picture of what this is going to look like. Jesus is going to step up. I don't know if it would be something, you know, a podium, whatever. But how many know Jesus is the word? Amen. Can you see us all out there with him? And the word opens up the word. Imagine that. And if you go to sleep with Jesus preaching, they're going to send you straight to hell. <laughs> Is that what you told me to say? Amen. That's right. So let's practice staying awake today. I don't want you to go to hell. So, grace is more than just unmerited favor. Thank God for that. It's defined as that which affords the favor, the joy. The charm or delight. Hmm. It's also translated benefit, bounty, or divine influence. A divine influence. In short, grace is the goodwill or the goodness of God towards you, his people. God's not angry. 
God's not mad. God took out all his wrath one time on one person, his name is Jesus, for all time. I know this makes the church mad, but here's just the truth. Jesus has dealt with the sin issue. Hmm? It's not because sin passed away, right? Sin didn't pass away because there's still people. But he dealt with the issue of sin. He dealt with the sin nature of man. The remnants of sin is, is just in the soulish mind. But when you're born again, you have a new nature in Christ Jesus. So all we're doing is, as we are renewing our mind, we're, we're getting our mind in a lifetime to prosper our soul, to think just like what's already 100% true in your spirit. I'll say it forever. It's just as simple, but it's just as amazing as you are 100% righteous in your spirit. Amen. When you get to heaven, when you go through the gates, they will not touch you with a righteous wand to bring you up to speed. You're just as righteous as Jesus because you became righteous with his righteousness. And his righteousness doesn't need an upgrade. It doesn't. Amen. So everything that God is, is in you. Greater is he that's in you. Now this soul, until it comes under subjection and trained by the Spirit to work in unison with the Spirit, and when it does, boy, you talk about some things that will happen in your life and in this earth is when your soul starts thinking like your, like your spirit already knows the truth is. So you, your, your heart is smart. Your spirit is intelligent. And if you'll listen to follow the Holy Ghost, he'll make you a genius or a genius or whatever you want to be right there. Now, he'll make you a genius. And uh, how many like to be a genius? If you follow the Holy Ghost, he'll make you a genius. If you don't follow him, he'll, well, yeah, uh, be that other thing. So let's just follow him, right? So grace or favor produces joy and delight. How many ready for some more joy? How many for some delight? Divine influence. It's a revelation. This, or I'm saying this. This is a revolution that has taken place and is taking place. A time when the goodness and unmerited favor of God will abound to all those who receive. Are you going to receive? So I, we, we do this with me. So I, I, receive I receive all the grace, all the grace and, all the and all the unmerited favor that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ lived, lived, died, died crucified, crucified, raised from the dead, did for me. It's mine. I receive it now. In Jesus' name. Now, 1 Peter 4 says, we won't go there, but 1 Peter 4, I think it's verse 10. I didn't write it down, but I think that's, it talks about grace is multifaceted. It's multidimensional. Multifaceted, multidimensional. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, by grace you are saved through faith. So you wasn't saved by grace and you wasn't saved by faith. You were saved by both. It was grace through faith that you're born again. Grace was provided of the salvation, but you had to put faith in what Jesus provided to receive it. So you couldn't just be received just by faith alone. And you couldn't be received just by grace alone because you can have provision. But if you don't receive provision, you can't receive something. You can say, I'm broke, and I can say, let me give you $100. But if I can't get you to get the $100, you're still broke. Right. 
Grace provided everything for you through Jesus Christ. Amen. But it must be received by faith. And faith has a language. Amen. It has a talk. It's got a little swagger to it. Amen. It'll make some people mad. They'll put you in categories. They'll say, oh, you some of them blab, blab and grow, grab it, folks. Uh-huh, I'm the president of it <laughs> in this area. Huh? It's not blabbing and grabbing. It's just, it, it, it just, it, it's just being a son of God. Sons of God. Amen. Sons of God. Sons and daughters of God. Of the Most High. You want to get high? Get in the family. You'll be Most High. That's right. Amen. You won't have to smoke nothing to get high. You'll already be high. You're seated in high places, heavenly places with Christ. What are we doing there? Ruling and reigning. Amen. Ruling and reigning in Christ. Praise God. Can we go a little bit further? Another dimension of grace is experiencing righteousness. We've been talking about that a little bit. Go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Mm -hmm. Verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith. See, access. We access faith into what? Grace. We access into the, the realm of grace with our faith. Wherein we stand, we rejoice in hope in the glory of God. The Amplified says, through him we have our access, we have our entrance. In other words, we have to enter in somewhere. We, we have to access this place that's been made available to us. The multifaceted, multidimensional sides of grace. We can access the, a, a place in that. And we do it by faith. In which we firmly and safely stand and let us rejoice and exalt in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. All these are sermons, but I'm just giving you some highlights. Another dimension of God's grace meets the physical and the financial needs. Very, very familiar verse. You don't have to turn there, but Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply about half of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He'll let you deal with the other half. No, that's not the revised, that's the reverse translation. No. My God shall supply how many? All. All your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's going to supply all your need. Now, uh, can I put it this way? Because we're, we should have a, an understanding of who we are in Christ. And uh, that service, I mean, that scripture doesn't need me to expound on it in the sense of to make it more true. Uh, no man expounded on anything is going to make the scripture more than what it is. But I just want to bring you a consciousness because who we are in him, we are in Christ. You go through the scriptures and you find the scriptures that talks about in him, through him, by him, who through him, by whom. You'll find that there's uh, well over 130 scriptures who talk about who you are present day right now in Christ. Philemon says that your faith will become effectual when you acknowledge the good thing that's already in you by or in Christ Jesus. So when you know who you are in him, you'll like you better. If you don't like you, it's because you haven't seen him. Lately. So if you would like to see your condition, your condition's in Him. So if you 
Don't know your condition. You ought to look at your condition to see what condition your condition's in. Yeah, that's right. Then you'll know you're in good condition. But if you live in life by your experiences, then you're looking at everything from the peripheral. You're looking on the outside of everything, and you're saying, well, my life, you know, whatever. Well, that's because you're not living it in him. Paul said it's in him that I'm living and moving and having my being. Are you doing it in him or are you doing it in you? Yeah, but my company, uh, that's not a scripture. Yeah, but my relatives, that's not a scripture. See, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to point you back to who you are in him. Let's don't have an identi identification crisis. Let's, not, let's find out who we are in him. See, you're hid in Christ. The devil says, I'm going to get her. Can't find her. Can't find her. And if he could find you, he'd just find you in him. Well, he jumped on Jesus one time. We know how that worked. He was stripped of all authority. He came underneath his feet. Right? So you think he wants to jump on him again to get to you? In, in him, you live and move and have your being. So the question is not how are you. The question is how's him? How's Jesus doing today? Oh, it's a great day then, isn't it? Right? The only fight that he, that he told us to fight the good fight of faith. True? First Timothy 6, 12, isn't it? Fight the good fight of faith. The only, the only fight I know that's ever good is the one that I won. The only fight I was ever in school was over a girl. It was always over a girl. I never did pick up no boy about nothing. And uh, I don't even know what a good-looking boy looks like. But anyway, it was, it was always over a girl, you know. And so, but the only good fight that we fight is, a, is the good fight. So the only battles that we have to fight now is the one, is any battle that Jesus might have lost. Oh, that's right, he didn't lose any. So that, oh, you mean that, oh, we won. See, we're, 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 we're more than conquerors. We're not, we're not conquerors, we're more than conquerors. Why? Because we didn't get in the fight, Jesus did. He was the conqueror, and we're more than conquerors because he did the work and we get the credit. Amen. In other words, that's like somebody else getting in the, the ring with the, the heavyweight champion of the world and, the, and them defeating them for you and you get the prize. Instead of you going in the ring and him ringing your jaws all night <laughs> or for two seconds, whatever it takes. We're more than conquerors through him, right? And God is able. Say that with me. God is able. Tell your neighbors, God's able. God's able. Say, let that worry drop. I couldn't get all y'all to do that for some reason. Who <laughs> said, I ain't got no worries. Good word, people. I ain't got no worries. I ain't got no problem. That's good. I like that. Well, no, we, in this life, you're, you're, you're going to have those things, right? That, that's a promise too, right? In this life, you're going to have situations. But Jesus said, what? Be of good cheer, because I went ahead of you and overcame them. The Lord knows what's going to happen next Thursday to you. That's why he went ahead of you. He's already been in your Thursday. Isn't that cool? People say, what's going to happen Thursday? See, that, that, that's my point. <laughs> he's already been there, and he knows what's going to happen, and he's already made the way. Psalm 77 said that God went ahead of Moses and the Israelites, and he went to the Red Sea. Psalm 77 said he marked out a path no man could see it. But when they got there and they needed it, he, he, he revealed where he popped the chalk line. <laughs> Amen. God has popped the chalk line. I don't want to hear about you're allergic to chalk. Stop all that stuff. 
Hallelujah. So we win in Him, right? So we access this thing, or we access the grace by faith. And then we have our position of righteousness in Him. We are the, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means you've been justified. Righteous means justified, put in position. Justified, break it up, just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never missed it. Where would you be? Where would all of those of us be? See, as we begin to get into our 20s and 30s, if you're at that place or even older, you know, at my age, I don't really, I mean, I wouldn't mind physically going back there, but mentally, I wouldn't want to be 25 again. Amen. Come on. Benita knows exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> did did y'all get it all right? They got it all right, Benita. <laughs> How many of you would like to keep your present-day wisdom? You wouldn't mind having the physical body, uh, but, but, you, but you'd like to have the wisdom. In other words, if you hadn't made, if you hadn't took that road and done that and made that decision and, and said this and done that, you know, where, where would I be? Where could I be if I hadn't done that? Amen. See what I'm saying? Well, in him, you see, in him, in him, he can erase all that. God can do more in, in a day than what we messed up in 30 years. Why? Because God's, God's grip on you, God's grace grip on you is greater than your grip on him. You're trying to hold on to this thing, don't know how I can hold on. Don't matter. His grip is stronger on you than your grip is on him. While you're failing. While you're committing the same sin 47,000 times. Now, see, the church don't like that, does it? And you say, are, are, are you for sin? Are you, are you crazy? Is that on the tape? Leave it on the tape. No, I'm not crazy. Sin is what Jesus died for. God hates sin because he knows what it will do to you. But he settled the sin issue. Sin is missing the mark. What's the mark? The bullseye. The 50 or 100, whatever's in the middle. I hit the 20. Big deal. I'm going for the 100 next time. Hit the 40. Big deal. I'm going to go for the middle the next time. But in him, in him, I've already hit the bullseye because I'm in him. Jesus got a touchdown for you, and he's wearing your jersey. So they put your name on it. Hallelujah. You got the credit for it. So we're moving forward with him. Prepare to win. That's what we're doing. We're preparing, we are preparing to win the prize. Amen. Lord. Throwing off the weights. So this, this thing about you know, laying aside all the sins and laying aside all the weights, many times is in our thinking. Well, God couldn't use me because. Well, I've missed it because, and God can never do this and God can never do that. You see, God didn't come to forgive you your sins so you could go to heaven. In that, in that it happened and you will, but that's not the thing. The, the, the whole idea was he was planted into the earth. The seed has to die so it can reproduce and become what it is many times over. He was the firstborn of many brethren. And that's why the scripture said if they had known what they was doing, they would never crucify Jesus. But why? Because you're going to put the anointed seed in the ground and guess what you're going to get? A bunch of anointings. Amen. A bunch of Christ. So when he died, what, what did he get? Multiplication, multi-millions of Christ. So the devil's problems didn't become easier. They become multiplied. Y'all with me? Amen. Hallelujah. So they would never have touched him. They would never have touched his life. They certainly would not have taken his life because he was planted into the hearth and, you know, and went to hell for three days. And he, and he stayed there until all claims of justice was satisfied against the human race. And when God was satisfied, he raised him up. And when he raised him up, he raised you up. 
Hebrews said he did this for one time. See, under the old covenant, they had forgiveness of sins. So why, why would God do all that? Why bring Jesus if it was just going to have to be repeated? Because in the old covenant, they did that. They did it sometimes daily. But they did it for sure annually where you would come to the priest and you'd bring your calf, you'd bring your goat, whatever it was, and it had to be perfect because it had to be a sacrifice, an atonement for your sin, right? Just a covering, not a washed away, but just a covering. And when the priest would look at it, he wouldn't examine the sinner because everyone, everyone's sinners, right? What, what did he examine? He examined the sacrifice to see if it was worthy of the death for your, or for your sins, so the priest would, would take the time to examine the animal to make sure it didn't have a blemish. I mean, you couldn't bring the one and say, well, if we've got to take one, you know, get old Gimpy over there. No, you couldn't bring Gimpy. You had to bring the best one there without spot or blemish to represent the type and shadow of the priest to come, the best. And if you didn't have the right one, you had to go to the back of the line, go back to the farm and get something else. Get, you, had, you had to get the best. So when we come to the throne of grace, the what? Grace, which is what? Also unmerited favor. Now this is really deep here about unmerited favor. You, you, are you ready? It's favor you don't merit. <laughs> I studied that all weekend to come up with that. Unmerited favor is favor that you do not merit. You don't earn. Uh, Romans, the book of Romans says a workman is worthy of his hire. In other words, if he works 40 hours, you owe him 40 hours. But we didn't work the 40 hours and we still got paid. So they bring, their, they bring their animal to the high priest and he would examine the animal to see if it was worthy of the sacrifice. So the high priest, which is the type and shadow of our priest, what's he doing once again? He's examining the animal sacrifice. When we come to the throne of grace, our priest is not examining you because of what you did. He's examining your sacrifice, which is Jesus. And he said, oh, Jesus was worthy of anything she's ever done or ever will do. I almost kicked my shoes off, and I've never preached barefooted. And I can't see that happen. But it made me want to. So Hebrews said, there was one sacrifice for one time for all people. Over. 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 So we don't live from confession to confession. There are such denominations, if you want to call them that. We don't step in the booth. Huh? We step into our righteousness. John says when, 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 what the Holy Ghost is doing right now, he's convicting the sinner of their need of a Savior. But he's not convicting you of sin. He's not, or he doesn't condemn us. He can, see, the world's already condemned, John said, because they haven't received Jesus Christ the payment for their sins. If they don't receive him, then they've got to go pay for what they did when it's already been paid for. But to you, the born-again righteous, he's not condemning you of your sin. He's convicting you, but he's convicting you of your righteousness, of who you are in him. Mm -hmm. Can you see the difference? He's not condemning you. He's convicting you of not of what you did so much because he, your heart already knows that. Right? First John, John Epistle said, if your heart condemns, God's greater than our hearts. See, he reminds us of who we are. So he's convicting you of your righteousness and your position of righteousness. That no matter what I do and how I miss it or how many times I miss it, I'm still the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. And you could tell the enemy, you know, even though I missed it here again, I didn't think I would, I missed it. You're still under my feet. Amen. That's good news. The gospel is good news. Because there was no need to bring Jesus just to do the other and go from sin to sin and, and salvation to salvation. Your salvation is more than I, I, I've had my last confession. Well, that's not true because you don't even know all, everywhere you missed it. Amen. You know, you miss it in the attitudes. 
right? We think, well, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go with all the girls who do. Well, that, 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 that's not it. It's beyond that. See, you cannot smoke and chew and cuss and all that kind of stuff and have a stinking attitude on Monday. Right? I mean, if you just want to get technical about it, James says if, if, if you keep the, all the law, the Ten Commandments plus 613 more, but you miss one of them, he said, you're guilty as if you didn't keep all of them. So in other words, you're squeaky clean, but if you miss one, you're still a murderer. James said, if you keep all the law, but you miss one point, you're guilty of every sin. So why would you want to live under the commandments of, of the laws when Jesus fulfilled the laws for you in love? Amen. Love fulfilled all the law. Amen. And now we live on, in unmerited grace. Well, that's the problem with preaching that stuff is you, you, you have people out sinning. Grace doesn't make people sin. That's not a scripture either. Can you imagine the grace of God goes, I'm going to give you grace to speed you, to speed your sin up. Really? Really? I mean, how dumb can you be and walk? Titus says the grace of God teaches us to live righteously and holy and gives us the ability to carry out what the law could never do. All the law could do is tell you what God's holy standard was, but it gave you no ability to be what it told you to be. In other words, the mirror tells you what you look like. But if your hair went this way and your makeup's coming down this way and whatever, the mirror don't fix it. It just, it just foretells what's going on. Right? So the word, <laughs> the word of, 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 of the Mosaic commandments of the law just, just showed you your condition but had no ability to fix anything. That was, that was according to the scriptures in Hebrews, that's the weakness of the law. It exposed you but had no ability to fix you. But the, John 1 said the law came through Moses, handed from an angel to Moses. But grace and truth came through the man Jesus Christ, the unmerited favor of God. Amen. See, this is good news. Amen. Grace and truth came through. And when Jesus preached, just so they'd get it, he, he stepped the law up because he came under the law. He was born under the law. He had to be born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. He had to be born under a time of law to redeem those who who were uh, defiled under the law through Adam. But he made it even harder just so they get the point. He said, you, you know, it's been said this and it's been said that and it's been said this, but I say this, remember all that? He said it's been said of, you know, if, a, if a man, you know, he goes out and he sins and he, you know, he has relations with someone and he's already married, he's an adulterer. Jesus said, that's what the law says. He said, but I say this, if any of you one ever looked at her and even had the thought, you're all adulterers. What did he just do? He killed everybody in that service. Everybody in that service. He's like, oh, I never. I'm like, oh, you liar. Y'all don't mind me being real, do you? Hmm? I mean, if you don't help people, you might as well get out where they live. Right? I can go sit in my holy office all week. Practice my these, my thous, and my anons, and hitherto's. I've tried that for years. That don't help anybody. Look up Greek words and Hebrew words and try to pronounce them. Say, boy, you preacher smart. I always think about Miss Aretha Hagen, Brother Hagen's wife. He got to a place where he, he was liking to use the, you know, the, the words that uh, he really couldn't even pronounce himself. He studied it all week. And Brother Hagen said one time, Miss Aretha told him, she says, she says, um, 
well, we, we figured you have to go to two services. He said, two services? We ain't grown near that much. He, he said, why would you even need two services? Well, she said, if you keep on preaching so smart, she said, you're going to have the first service to preach smart, and then you're going to have to have a second service, second service to explain what you told them in the first service. <laughs> he said, that bad? She said, yeah, that bad. <laughs> she said, bring yonder back in. <laughs> and we can get it done in one service. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, Philippians 4, 19 said, My God shall supply all my needs in Christ. Your need, your need was Christ. Yes. Now, when, when we say needs, say, well, I, I need my light bill money, and I need this, and I need healing, and I need... But, but see, all that's in Christ. Your need was in Christ. God supplied your need by giving you Christ. That's your need. In, in Him, in Christ, all those needs, plural, are met. Hmm? You, you, you don't go outside of him to get a need met. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. The serpent beguiled them, her, and, and so she said, God's holding you back, so you're going to have to come outside of God to get this need met. But that's not truth. So when Jesus came, he brought grace, but truth with it. And the truth was, not only am I going to fulfill all the, the law, which is holy, which is righteous, which is good, but the truth is, I'm going to give you the ability to live it out. Amen. See, Moses could just say, do it, but they didn't have the ability to do it. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the goodness of God and the ability to walk it out. Amen. 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 Now, there's a dimension of grace where he says, God's able to make all grace abound toward us. All grace is expressed in every favor in earthly blessing. Scripture said once again, God's what? Able. Now that is the, that is the word dinatos, if I pronounced it right. It's the Strong's words uh, 1415 in the Greek. The word able means mighty, strong, mighty in wealth, mighty in influence. God is able. He's what? He's mighty. He's strong. He's able. He's, a, he, he's able in wealth. He's able in all fluence. So when the Bible says God's able, it means that all the necessary power to get the job done is in Him. God's able. He's mighty. He's powerful. He has wealth. He has influence. He's strength. He's, he owns the earth, the fullness thereof. He, has, he is all power. There is no other God. God is able. Not only the power, but God owns all the resources, and He can't be tapped out. No matter what Benny Hinn asked for this week, God has more left. I just said his name. don't mean nothing. Sometimes we think, you know, you know can God, you know, you know, I don't want to bother him. He's got a lot of people. Believe me, he's able. So our God has all the power, the influence, and the ability to make all grace and earthly favor abound towards you. Abound towards you. Now, can, can you see God enabling all the favor at, at, at your disposal? All, well, I mean, all the favor abounding that's at His disposal, abounding towards you? So you're not really getting that. I can tell by your face. Can you see all the ability of God abounding, pointing this towards you? That's why we're going to do it for weeks. We're like, uh-huh, that's right. It's about chicken time, preacher. 
Welcome to America. All the favor and all the disposal, all the multidimensional, multifaceted forms that exist working mightily on your behalf. Now, if you look at the word abound in the Strong's, it means an excess and an overflow, an abundance of something. Uh, it, it didn't give me a definition of lack in there anywhere. So grace not only comes when, when it's needed, but it'll flow to you in excess. The favor of God's going to flow to you in excess. It's going to overflow you. And the strong says it's going to super abundantly supply. Which is our God's overflowing measure. God's going to more than meet the need. He's going to super abundantly, excessively supply. There's so many pictures in the scriptures of that, but you think about the Israelites complaining about not having no meat. And they cried out to God and they said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? He said, can, can I furnish a table in the wilderness? You talking to me, Willis? You got to be at least forward to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> can I furnish a table in, in the wilderness? And he caused a great wind from the east to come and to blow and all this meat, all this flesh, all this quail, whatever you want to call it, they came in it, and it was over waist high. I forgot, I studied it, but it's been so long, I, I, I didn't even think about it. I, I looked it up. But it was for miles and miles and miles and miles. Because, you know, you got three million people to feed. And God blew all the groceries, stacked them in a pile over waist high, Several, several miles. He says, uh, can I furnish a table? You talking to me? And there it was. In the wilderness. So God says, when I, I, I can, I'm able to abound, super abundantly abound, and I can do it towards you. I can bring this supply to you. It's at my disposal. It's at my command. I can super abundantly overflow. I, I can excess you, and I'll make it abound, and it's going to come towards you. Amen. Just a tad more. So I looked at the word toward. You can tell I'm a little bit of a teacher. So <laughs> Okay, today class. <laughs> so towards you means the favor of God is pointed in your direction. I thank you for those three hearty amens. And, then, and the rest of you, the hushes, hushes. Now listen to this. Toward means the favor of God is pointed in your direction. Which means you can never be a victim of your circumstance. So when you see God's grace abounding towards you, you should understand His goodness is permanently pointed in your direction. I believe the enemy's packing up his bags right about there. And he's ready to leave town. Amen. The angel says, where do we take this? He says, take all, take all this. He said, y'all know Brother Billy? <laughs> Get it there. It's coming towards you. Glory to God. 
Say, it's coming towards me. Tell your neighbor, say, it's coming towards you. Now, just, just a little bit, and then we'll be through. Deuteronomy 28, 12. You don't have to turn there, but just if you're making notes. It says, the Lord shall open his good treasure. Now, now this is his words. This is not Moses' words. This is the Lord's. He calls it his good treasure. Amen. I, I'm trying to expand on this a little bit because, because this, is, this is his language. He's, God says, I have treasure, but I, my treasure is good treasure. You ready? The Lord shall open unto his good treasure the heavens to give the rain unto the land in his season and to bless all the work of your hands and you shall, and you shall lend unto nations and you shall not need to borrow. Amen. You're going to be the lender, which means you're the head and not the... You're the locomotive and not the... You're, you're pulling and not getting dragged. Right? I had to go back into my Hebrew and Greek word, and I looked at the word treasure, and I am so glad I did this. Y'all want to know what it says? Yeah. Maybe next week we'll talk about that. How many want to know before you go? I don't just give the best up to anybody. I mean, you got to be right now. Watch here. The word treasure in the Hebrew is the word, and I might be butchering this, Otsar, O-T-S-A-R. O-T-S-A-R, Hebrew word 214 if you're interested. And it means storehouse. So what this is saying to us, that those who are in covenant with him, and we all are, we are living under an open atar, or we're living under an open storehouse. Which means you're living under the open heaven. Which means you are living under a portal of favor. You are living under an open portal of favor, prosperity, increase, and supernatural blessing. You say, well, I, I still don't know how God is going to do it. Well, be honest with you, that really ain't none of your business, but I will finish it right here just to help you, and we'll pick up here next time. In Genesis 15, 1, God revealed himself to Abraham in a vision. And then you'll see it in Exodus 2, and I'm just going to just give you the headlines. We don't have time to go there for time. And he said he revealed himself to Abraham because names reveal something about the nature and the character of a person. Is that right? So when you understand someone through a name, I mean, we could say Jehovah Nisi, we can say Jehovah Jireh. We can, uh, God has many, you know, many redemptive names, but each name reveals a character and a nature or an attribute about that person. God revealed him one way to Moses, but he revealed himself another way to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he said, to you, I will be almighty God or God almighty, which means to you, I'm going to reveal myself to you as El Shaddai. And they said, what does that mean? He says, to you, I will be the God who's not enough. They said, you're not going to do enough. He says, no, I'm going to do more than what's enough. I'm going to do super abundantly. Now, simply means, it simply means the all-sufficient one. 
It also means the, the, the many-breasted God. It means the, the, the nourisher. You can get that. You know, a, a mother with her baby. And, the, and, and, the, and the, the supply and the nutrients and the vitamins that that child needs just for living is all within just the mother's milk, the supply. Sometimes, and sometimes, supply can go away because we're not focusing on what we should be focusing on. To bring the supply to us, we need to have something called expectation. If, if, a, if a mother breastfeeds her child on Tuesday but waits three weeks to do it again, there's going to be complications. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, the supply can diminish and go away, and she will have all the discomfort until that time passes. Is that true? Mm -hmm. I, ain't, I don't know by experience, but, you know, but I'm just, you know, we read. So I'm just telling you, there is an expectation that God has. And we need to have an expectation that the all-sufficient one, the all-breasty one, is, has more than enough supply Amen. of surplus Amen. that he can be excessive. Amen. And when God gets excessive, Amen. then God is not balanced. We, we won't think God's balanced. God's not balanced. It's an old phrase, but God's just off the chain. I mean, when, sometimes when he would bless people, you, you think he would do the math and say, you know, that's too much. I mean, they, they can't handle that. And he just, he just like, well, I just can't hardly, I think about them, I just want to do something big. Because we warned about this last week, about the, an, the answer, Satan's answer to your prosperity. There's always an answer. When it's time for favor, Satan comes immediately to take that word. And the way he does this, we talked about last week, is this. When, when, when Abraham got the word, he took Lot with him, which is a lot of trouble, remember? But Abraham says, we need to separate because there's strife here in the camp. There's strife in this home. There's, there's, there's strife. There's words being spoken. And, and the scripture says, wherever there's strife, there's every evil demonic work in that home or that church or wherever it's at. So Abraham said, there could be no strife here. We can let a lot of things go on in church. No, there's no perfect people. There's no perfect church. This church was perfect in 1994. We started in 1995, messed the whole thing up. And then y'all came too, and here we are. And so that's what happened. But in the mind of God, it's perfect. So there's no things perfect, but there's one thing that we do not tolerate here. We will not tolerate in this church at all. If we know about it, we will not tolerate strife. We will love you, but you will stop striving, or we will love you out the door. You will be gone in the name of Jesus so fast you won't even know what hits you. And we'll love you as you go into the car. But if you're going to stay in strife and contention, and you're going to speak and do things that allows the enemy to say, Hey, come on in here. This is a good place to stay. That is not allowed. So Abraham said, Let us separate because there's strife here. The, the enemy's answer to your increase and to your prosperity, to the place that God's going to take you, is trying to bring strife into your home and into your life. And he'll try to bring those closest to you to do it. Right? Because no one out there you don't know is really bothering you that much. It's just the ones who speak and say the things that's closest around you. You said, did you just say what? <laughs> Tell me you didn't do that. Because it's so close, right? So he, he thinks he has an answer. 
but he doesn't have an answer. You're living under an open heaven. You're living under a portal of heaven, a portal, a, a, a place of, of opening from the heavens to the earth and the earth to the heavens where angels ascend and descend as in Jacob's ladder back and forth, bringing supply, coming up and coming down and bringing answers and, and, and bringing provision and bringing uh, parts to bodies, doing creative miracles, living under a heaven where, where, where God can bring spines and and knee joints and ribs and give new hearts and, and, and things that medical sciences, they, they can't figure. They're making advances, but God doesn't need to make any advance. He's got it all. He's not the practitioner. He's the great physician. Amen. We're living under that heaven where you feel like you're stuck in a job, but you're not stuck. If you're stuck, God's stuck. And if God's not stuck, you're not stuck because you're in Him. So supernatural favors is excessively flowing to you right now in Jesus' name. Will you receive that? Say, I receive it. I receive it. See, it, 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 it's not the, the, the how-to is not our situation. The expectation is we're just hooking on to the all-breasty one. I'm hungry. <laughs> Hit me, right? I'm glad I came. Living under an open heaven. See, the, the, the church has come so far. It really has. And thank God, I mean, the, 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 you know, the... The teaching that we've had is the teaching we had. You know, before, the only, the only way of heaven ever got open is we tithe. We tithe, and then it opened the heavens. And then the teaching got stricter than that and said, no, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blasting me or nobody else because I'm just as guilty. We would say the tithe, we return it to the Lord, it's His. It is. But that don't open the heavens. Don't worry. Now it's going to take some more offerings. How much? I mean, I'm in trouble. How, just, just how much? Twenty percent. <laughs> yeah, I was I was in a pastoral meeting one time, and the guy said, "You know, I don't know if we, we live in a small town." He said, "I can't double size my church." He said, "I just need the Lord to go to twenty <laughs> percent." He said, "We're not making it on ten percent. I just need God to double. You know, twenty is now holy to me." I said, "Well, I don't know if that's going to happen, brother." <laughs> and so. You know, we said, yeah, we'll return to the Lord, and then the Lord will slide it open and let some blessings leak out, and then he'll, until next Sunday. And then next Sunday, you got to go pay it up again. It's like a combination, get the third one just right, and you're like, you ready, huh? <laughs> Come back next week. That's not, that ain't, that ain't the gospel. You know, you don't even have to study to know that ain't the gospel. You think God thought something like that up? No. We're living under an open heaven. Praise God. Well, I call you blessed. I say God bless you, which is the strongest words I know how to speak to you. God bless you. Not because you sneezed. But you're empowered to prosper. You're the agents of God. My gosh, you are the agents of God in the earth. You are the, in you, you are a container of the glory of God. You you are glory carriers. Amen. My gosh, with a surplus and a supply that when you, when you come into a town, into a city, I mean to a little waitress over here, you don't know what's going on in her life. You are containing so much weight of the glory of God. And you ain't got to get up and prophesy to her and hold her at a table 30 minutes and get her fired. You could just sometimes just do it with a look. 
sometimes you can do it with an excessive tip. And she's going to look and say, I didn't deserve that. Well, we both know that. God knows it. The devil knows it. The angel knows it. Everybody in this place knows it. But it's not about you deserving it, right? It's about the goodness of God. So I, I say that's who you are. And go be the light because you are the light. Amen? God bless you. Have a good day.